Commas. Welcome to Commas. Commas is all things tech. Culture and technology coming together. Life hacks. The practicality right now in the inefficiency of the internet of buying and selling stuff is extraordinary. Entrepreneurship advice. I think the first thing is you got to understand your business inside out. Love and tech. We've almost reduced dating to kind of this very momentary snap of a person. It's going to be a fire show. I have yet to see something these days that's truly differentiated. New advice and new inspiration every show. It truly is about the next generation of creators going faster, further than we did. And now, Sequoia Blodgett. Now let's start stacking them commas. Hey, what's up, you guys? I am so excited because I have a very special guest today. Marbel Lada has been my dear friend for shoot since 2017 so so initially we met because i was working in black enterprise and we did we covered an article for gary vaynerchuk and he ended up inviting a group of really phenomenal entrepreneurs out to new york which marbell facilitated thank you so much and we just had a great time a really good conversation and from there, we had another event at Draper, which I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Draper is created, it's an entrepreneurship bootcamp created by Tim Draper, who basically start his great-grandfather started venture capital in Silicon Valley, right? So we had this really cool event and Marabelle again came through, <laughs> brought Gary Vaynerchuk, and we just had a really amazing time. So our relationship has stemmed around Gary Vaynerchuk, but there's so <laughs> many things. <laughs> that she has done. So thank you so much for being on the podcast and let's dive into some of that. Marabelle, how are you? I'm good. You know, we're getting towards the end of the year. And so there's always like excitement as you're reflecting back on what the year has held. But there's also the, so there's the celebration of that. And then there's the excitement for what's coming next year. So, so good. So let's dive a little bit more into your history though. So I know We've been all things to Gary Vaynerchuk, <laughs> you and I. But before that, what was going on? Oh my gosh, so much. Um, marketing communications is all part of really what I would say is like the second stage of my professional life. Uh, I started my career in higher education. I used to work at colleges and universities and so um, worked in student development, a variety of different like offices and capacities. So I used to manage student centers. I used to um, advise like student groups, um, programs like orientation and DEI. Um, initiatives on different campuses. Um, and like many folks, right, like after almost a decade working in, in that field, in a field, I started to take a step back and think about what was next and whether or not that was where I saw myself forever. Um, and the truth was, while, you know, I had achieved success and I was moving up the ladder, it meant moving away from the thing that I loved most about that job, which was the one-to-one with students. Um, and so I had never considered a career in corporate America, right? Like I was one of those kids that was like, I'm not working for the man. Um, no corporate America for me. Uh, but, you know, 30 years old, almost 30 years old at that point, I was like, well, it, you kind of got to make some money to live in Love New it. York City, right? Like... You actually need to make some money to be able to take care of the people that you're hoping to take care of as they get older. Um, and so I started reevaluating. Re and when I was assessing my own skills, what my interests were, what I was good at, 
communications really stood out. Um, but also this idea that I could manage projects because I managed large scale projects with very significant budgets in the higher ed realm. And I felt that a lot of that would translate to corporate America. But I was also realistic and knew that I was going to be a tough sell. So my decision was to go back to school for my MBA and really equip myself with like the language, the understanding of businesses holistically. So while marketing was what I was most interested in, I didn't just want to focus on that. I wanted to understand like the whole corporate environment. I wanted to equip myself to, if I one day chose to run my own business, to understand how to do that, right? Most businesses fail because people don't know how to run a business. It's not because they don't have a good idea. Um, and so for me, business school was the right decision because I was looking to get all of that information in a compact amount of time. Uh, I graduated in 2009 into the heart of the recession. <laughs> For those that remember, it was not a good time to graduate. Um, it was definitely not a good time to be a career transitioner, right? Like Because if there were jobs, they were going to prioritize folks who were traditional candidates. And I was by no means a traditional candidate. Um, my interest in communications and marketing was specifically in digital and even more narrowly in social media. And in 2009, nobody was really talking about social media marketing, except maybe for a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Right. Um, and I didn't know that at that time. So if we're doing timelines, right? Like, Vayner Media was founded in 2009, which was right. So like around the same time that I was trying to figure out how I could create this career in social media marketing. Um, and so I had to be entrepreneurial when I started. Right. I worked with small businesses in New York City um, and artists and musicians, getting them up and running on social and sort of like building a little portfolio and doing side gigs to pay the bills. Eventually, all my side hustles were enough of a portfolio to get my foot in the door in the agency world as a freelancer. Uh, I worked at um, a few different Group M agencies for about three and a half, four years. And then I was recruited by a company called VaynerMedia because uh, I had a former colleague who had gone there and recommended me as somebody that they should take a look at. So uh, I was hired and started at VaynerMedia in June of 2014. Wow. Um, so yes, if anybody is doing the math, I am in my ninth year and it'll be 10 years in June of this coming year. Um, and while there, like I spent about the first two and a half years working on Fortune 500 portfolios, um, really focused on helping those brands understand how social media really needed to be playing a significant role in their, you know, in their marketing mix. Um, it's really amazing how those conversations has changed, right? Like we're no longer trying to convince people that social is important, um, at least not in those Fortune 500 circles. Um, and we're now like social is, is, is sort of like a no brainer um, when it comes to it. Uh, I pivoted because I got the opportunity to work directly for Gary and that's how you and I met, right? Um, so I was working for Gary in an, a capacity called the office of the CEO. So there were four of us that were reporting directly into him and our job was to help him scale. The company had grown, had almost doubled in size in the two and a half years I had been with, with them. So we went from like about 350 to 700 in the span of two years, which is insane growth. Um, and with that kind of of insane growth comes 
the recognition that not all of the processes and procedures that you've set up are the ones that are going to sustain this size of the company or even get you to the next size of it. Um, And so it was really interesting because I got to function a lot almost as an internal consultant. So I would often get deployed. It's like, hey, we're feeling some pains on that team. Um, Can you go and spend some time with them, like diagnose what's going on and then make some recommendations on how we can help them and support them, right? That's consulting. Um, And so I don't know that I would have called it that at that point in time, but reflecting back, that's absolutely what I was doing. Um, I was also helping to get off the ground and dabble in new offerings. And some of those new offerings included starting to think about small to mid-market businesses, which were not who the clients at VaynerMedia were. Um, and so I got to be part of our first con- like real consulting offering for small to mid-market businesses. Um, and we still have that program. It's our mentors program. It's a three-year growth share program that we have with companies. Um, our 4Ds program, which is stands for Digital uh, Discovery and Deep Dive. So it's an education offering. We're still like running that program and I now run that program. Um, and so all of those t- the, those offerings became our initial offerings at a new company called the Sasha Group, which we launched in January of 2019. So um, after working with Gary directly, I got asked if I would be part of the founding leadership team at Sasha. Um, and Sasha is special to Gary. It's named after his father. And the reason it's named after his father is it was the company that was created to really work with earlier stages, growth stage businesses that we believed one day will become VaynerMedia clients, but aren't quite there yet. Um, And so when you're working with small to mid-market businesses, it does really um, need to include consulting and not just an agency model. So we work with the smallest of Sasha clients on the consulting side, which is the, the side that I lead at the Sasha Group. So good. That was such a good explanation of literally your entire arc. (laughs) Can you tell that I have to do this a lot? (laughs) So, so good. So, okay. What was the differentiation between VaynerMedia, you working there and then going over to the Sasha group? Like what was the biggest, I would say, change for you and then differentiation Mm -hmm. between the two? Yeah, I would say the biggest change is that I feel like I'm able to use my holistic understanding of business mm-hmm. more intensely at Sasha than I was at VaynerMedia. And that's because of the types of clients we're working with, right? Like when you are working, um, right, I worked on Quicker Oatmeal, like, or Quicker Brands, Quicker Foods um, for two and a half years. Like they were one of my key clients in my first few years at VaynerMedia. Um, you're working with the brand team, right? And it's hyper-focused. Like there's so many marketing like activations and campaigns over the course of a year. It's like y- you've got multiple going on at any given time. Everything is hyper-marketing focused, but you're also working with individuals who are really well-versed in marketing, right? Like these are career marketers. So everything is brand, everything is marketing. Um, I'm not sitting down with the president of Quaker, right? Or, you know, whoever's leading it at PepsiCo and really having conversations around the business. We're having, right? Like marketing, of course, is tied back to like business objectives, but we're not helping to set a business strategy. Mm. The size clients I work with now they don't have robust marketing teams, right? Like they're lucky if they've got a few dedicated people on marketing, but more often than not, you're working with folks who are work, who are wearing multiple hats 
And I am also 99% of the time working with a founder, mm. right? Um, who is leading the company, leading the business, but also involved in the marketing because it's so early on in the company. So that means you have to have conversations around the business, right? Like establishing a marketing strategy. So still focus on marketing, but establishing a marketing strategy for an early stage business means you also have to think about the staff, right? Like who's going to execute this? And again, when you're talking about like maybe one or two people that are dedicated to marketing, but they're dedicated to all marketing, not just social, not just digital, like you have to take into account, are your strategic recommendations feasible for the company that you're working with, right? Um, and so it really does require you to think about staffing, to think about the culture of that organization, to think about like the realities of their business, right? Like, well, how much are we really trying to drive because capacity of production is only X amount, right? So like, no, we're not looking to drive that many sales because we can't even make that much product, right? Like you start to get into questions of operations, like questions of fulfillment. Like there's just so much more business that's got to be part of your thinking. So I feel like I'm using that MBA education so much more at this stage within Sasha than I got to in my VaynerMedia days. That's good. So with these smaller companies, because there are more of those than there are the large corporates, right? Yeah, sure are. <laughs> with these smaller companies, what are some of the tips that you're giving them in order to like build brand and then translate that into marketing? Yeah, I, I think you hit it right like on the nose, which is like the building of brand. I think Early stage businesses, which you're right, is like, what is it? Like 98% of businesses in the United States are actually small to mid-market businesses. So most businesses, um, it's, you know, I get it. You're small. And so they're hyper-focused on transactions, mm -hmm. hyper-focused on transactions. And so the biggest tip I can give you is like, you have to think about brand, because it's easy to forget because all of the marketing you do on brand doesn't directly translate into some sort of conversion, right? It doesn't immediately translate into somebody signing up for something or buying, whether it's a product or service, but it's still important because brand takes time to build. And so the longer you wait on your efforts to start building the brand, like the, the more delayed you are in achieving some sort of like awareness in that. So one is like, you've got to start it, even though at the beginning, it kind of feels like it may not be moving the needle, right? Because you, you just have to start. Um, the other piece is, I think, it's sort of like short-sightedness. Like we go for the transaction because we feel that immediately. Um, but if you only have a small pool of people who are aware of your product, then you're limiting how many transactions, right? So it's that lack of understanding of you've actually always got to be doing the work of introducing your brand to new people in order for you to eventually get more of those conversions. So, you know, it's like that whole marketing funnel. It's like we all know it, but do we really know it? Are we really paying attention to like what those stages are and what's got to go on, like in terms of our effort and what those conversations look like and how nuanced they need to be for where the consumer is in their relationship with us? So, so good. 
when we talk about brand, right? So that's the awareness, like top of funnel. Mm -hmm. What exactly should people be doing in order to spike that? I know we wanted to go into the content side and talk a little bit more yeah. about that because I think that that's one thing. But what else in addition to content? And and even with content, like what are some of the things that they could be doing to help bring that awareness to their audience? So I think it's about thinking big and thinking about the future, right? When you first launch a business, right? Um, even in a service-based business, you're generally launching with like one service offering, right? Like one key thing that you do. Um, if you're launching a product, you're generally launching with like one product. You you know, you might have a couple varieties in terms of like color, you know, scent based on what you're selling, but you've generally launched with one core product. And brand is about something bigger than the specific thing you're selling, right? Like brand is meant to be encompassing of what you're currently selling and what you think you're going to be selling in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? Like brand is supposed to be encompassing of the culture of your organization. Brand is supposed to show up in your interactions with your consumers. So brand is so much bigger than the specific thing that you're selling. And so I think even just like getting clarity in your mind on that, right? Like it's so often like a, an early stage conversation with me, uh, for me with potential clients is like, okay, that's your product, what's your brand? Right, like what are the values that your brand stands for that come to life in your product, that come to life in your service, that come to life in your communications? Hey, Commas listeners, if you wanna hear even more about how companies are built and what it takes to grow in today's market, you have to check out Found and Equity from the TechCrunch Podcast Network. Found takes a peek behind the scenes of building a company with firsthand accounts from founders themselves. Every Tuesday, co-hosts Becca Skudik and Dom Midori Davis chat with a founder about their journey from ideation to lunch. Equity keeps you up to date on the world of startups, tech, and venture capital with news rundowns and expert interviews led by co-hosts Alex Wilhelm and Mary Ann Acevedo. Equity drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So if you're not sure where to jump in, check out episode 739. The venture market is overcorrecting. Tune in at techcrunch.com forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so you've established brand. Mm -hmm. Now we moved down the pillar or down the funnel, if we will, <laughs> to the content piece. What are some yeah. content activations they could be doing to push the messaging for that brand? Yeah, so look, I think if you've done the brand exercise, creating content becomes easier, mm. right? Because if you were only thinking about content from the perspective of pushing the product or service that you're selling, it's kind of narrow, right? If you're actually creating content from the perspective of having like having thought through a brand and what your brand stands for, now we have all these other avenues, right? So um, let's say you, you know, what you do is some sort of journal, right? Like you've created a journal um, that has going to be, you know, that that is 
inspirational, right? Like that provide you're you're geared at Latina women and you know the specific um hurdles that they go through and like you know what's specific to their um to their upbringing and you want to reflect that like in a journal that you've created for them, right? Like if you're only thinking about the specific journal, then like all of your content is going to be and it's got it's here for 365 days of the year, right? And you've got uh you know what to do for every month like it's all going to be focused on the specifics of this thing that you're selling. But if you actually take a step back and you're like, but what does our brand stand for? Then you could talk about, you can have interviews, right? With Latina women talking about like their specific upbringing and like, what are the things that they feel like they only connect with other Latinas on that are hard for folks who are raised in other cultures to connect with, right? Like maybe it's, um, you know, specific like holidays that are celebrated in Latino culture, you now have an avenue to talk about in a distinct way. Um, maybe it's, you know, content around like calendars in general and like the Aztec calendar or the Mayan calendar, right? Like all of a sudden you have all these other like rich cultural things that you can talk about that help you take a step back from the product. Because if you're only talking about the thing that you're selling, you're also like, people are going to mute you. Right. Like people are not going to want to listen because none of us wants to be sold to all the time. Right. Like what we actually tend to take action on is the stuff that just connects with us. Right. And we're just like, wow, I really liked that video. I really liked that post. It made me feel something. Who is it that posted this? Right. Now I'm going to go to their profile. I'm going to be like, what are they all about? That might have been the thing that prompted me to learn about a company or learn about what they're selling that's usually the initial point of connection, right? Like it's got to, it's really hard work to have a product just like stand out, right? Like just think about like commercials in general, the commercials that are just like sales, nonstop, nonstop, push, 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 trying to get you to buy something are usually not the ones that we respond to the most or the best. So true. And that's so good because honestly, when I first was introduced to Gary, I don't think, I don't even think I knew what he did. (laughs) It's just a bunch of content, right? So how important is the personal brand to the journey of the business? Well, look, I don't think it's, essential, but it can be an amazing tool in building your business, right? So personal brand in in an environment where we have so many alternative options for most things, it's often the personal brand that is the point of connection. I use this example all the time. I swear like I am not connected to this company in any way, shape or form, but it always comes to mind for me, right? Um, Siete Foods. I can tell you that Siete Foods was founded by a Latino family because one of the sons was diagnosed like gluten intolerant, right? And couldn't do like grains. Um, And so a lot of the Mexican foods that were part of like their traditional like meals, um, the son couldn't enjoy. And so they were looking for an alternative where that they could still like make Mexican food that they could all partake in. Um, and so they create, they started with like tortillas that were made from almond flour, cassava flour, right? Like alternatives to like wheat flour. Um, I know their whole story, <laughs> right? Like that's brand. Exactly. That's, 
that's that's in a semblance of personal brand right like i don't know their names mm -hmm. right if they were really trying to go down like the personal branding realm then i would likely be able to tell you the name of the founder it's right like so there are also degrees i think that when people think about personal brand they think about people like gary mm -hmm. um but there are degrees to personal brand right like personal brand really just means attaching a face right and some and a personality to your marketing efforts. And so it really allows you to have like a whole additional like content pillar that's based around a person that you believe people are going to be able to connect with that can help you create affinity to the brand and the things that you're selling. Mm, that's so good. So social media is driving a lot of this content now. What channels have you seen be the most productive when it comes to like products and services and marketing them? Yeah, I mean, we we are on that TikTok wagon, right? Like we write it hard. Um, the reason we write it hard is because um, culture gets created in TikTok. Mm -hmm. It used to be right that social media were like were vehicles for learning about what was happening in culture. But a lot of the things that we talk about now in broader media were initiated on TikTok, right? Like there are things that are coming to life there that we're now seeing go viral, right? Like um, it, it means something that you go to a bookstore and they've got a like, they've got a table that's all based on TikTok reads, right? And what people are reading on TikTok. So BookTok. BookTok is the hashtag on TikTok that's all about like reading and books. You go to most bookstores today and there's a BookTok section or table. Right. Like that's driving culture. That's not just reflecting culture. Um, you know, music. How many artists have now like sort of broken through mm -hmm. without major record deals and gotten major record deals because they just grew these significant followings on TikTok? I think Teddy Swims is a really great example of that. Right. Like I discovered him on TikTok. The album came later, right? Like the signing came later and now he's like all over the place. And there are a ton of artists in that realm that like that was the vehicle for them doing it. So the other thing that you see TikTok um, influencing is features on other platforms, right? Mm -hmm. People adopt feature behavior on TikTok and then we see the other platforms like mimic that feature. They'll call it something else, right? Yeah. Something that makes sense for their environment, but it's the same feature. Vertical video became prominent via TikTok. Now we have YouTube Shorts, we have Instagram Reels and Facebook Reels, right? Like it's now a very standard format and expectation of how people are consuming content that was born out of TikTok. Um, and so while it is not as it was two years ago as easy, right? Like to become viral, there's still so much to learn by just observing what's happening on that platform. So. I, I think that anyone that still thinks that it is a platform for kids mm. is sorely mistaken. Um, we see all types of businesses and industries like thriving on that platform. Um, but it, you also need to be making content that steps outside of what you want to talk about as a business and is culturally relevant. <laughs> and that means also paying attention to how quickly things change. So that's good. What are some examples of that? Uh, examples like from specific brands or like how you might do how it. you might do it um let's see look i think a you know it's a fly by night like example but 
longer lasting than I thought, like the Barbie stuff, Ah, right? Like all of the marketing that was going on with Barbie and everyone like creating their own, you know, this Barbie and that description of it. Um, That's something that was born out of social media. Um, Spotify wrapped, right? Like Spotify wrapped just dropped this week. Uh It's in its ninth year. Um, It's a really great example of like taking advantage of like how people behave on these platforms, right? Like, we love Spotify Wrapped because they've created they they share it in a story format. Mm-hmm. We can download it. We can share it directly to like these other platforms. It's also like everybody's waiting for it to happen. It's 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 prompting a collective conversation, right? So we've seen a ton of brands in the last twenty four hours since it dropped doing their version of it right so we've seen like they'll take off the spotify logo but they'll mimic similar colors and we all know what it is that they're mimicking right and rather than talk about their spotify profile because as a brand they wouldn't have one they're like we spent x number of minutes doing xyz or like you know we we sold x number blah blah or we helped x number of like people and right like there are there are ways that organizations that companies products services etc have been able to play in that space so that's an example of like something that is happening in culture that brands have the opportunity to follow along with, but it's a very narrow window when you do it, right? Like it's got to be within the first, ideally the first day, within the first couple of days, because other beyond that, we've moved on to whatever the next culturally relevant thing is. Um, but then the other thing is features, right? So um, new features on platforms, um, collaborative articles on LinkedIn are a really great example, right? Like um, if you go to LinkedIn, you can type in collaborative articles and you'll get to this whole new section on LinkedIn that's essentially uh, crowdsourced articles, right? Like they're LinkedIn has created these topics and they're asking contributors across the platform to chime in with their two cents. Well, guess what? Like if you're spending some time, right? Like adding to these types of articles consistently, you're going to start to see more views on the other content that you're posting to the LinkedIn platform, right? Like you're going to get more followers, et cetera. So also just watching to see what new opportunities arise. Um, Sometimes they're not always announced, right? It's not always a big flashy announcement. So tracking that, whether it's following blogs like, um, you know, TechCrunch or uh, social media marketing or the, the, the business blogs for each of the platforms, because they all have them and they're free to access. Like, just being mindful on a regular basis of the new opportunities you have to take advantage of because if you're an early mover there's an early mover advantage in terms of like priority in the algorithm right the the notorious algorithm for each platform i love that you said that because i have not mastered tiktok at all (laughs) i'm trying i just like create i was like okay well maybe it's more fun over here so i threw a bunch of dance videos on there first that are like so misaligned or maybe they aren't misaligned with the brand i don't know <laughs> i just put them on there to see what they would do then i put another video on there that was more business related and then that video got like a ton of views and so i'm just trying to figure out really how to navigate it but i think it's really good that you said that because i watched a video recently from a girl who did a recap of like the top influencers the top paid influencers of 2023 and most of them broke on TikTok or youtube and ironically like 2% 
of the influencers who are on that list had come from Instagram. So people think Instagram is actually way more powerful than it is in, in terms of like breaking you as a- that's, I think that's it, right? Like Instagram, like it's just well-established, mm-hmm. right? And so it is much harder to cut through in Instagram right now than it is. I mean, you mentioned YouTube shorts, like YouTube shorts is a great area to try to break through. Like there's still a ton of space that isn't tackled yet, right? Like if you've got a ton, if you've created a ton of um, content for YouTube, remake it in vertical format, right? Mm -hmm. And repost it as YouTube shorts, right? Like at the end of the day, these are also search platforms. So there isn't, there is no such thing as creating too much content. So should you be creating like Gary V magnitude of content or what's the, what's the realistic size of amount? You should be creating as much content as you can create, right? Mm -hmm. Like something that has held true from what Gary talks about um, is documenting versus creating. It takes much more intention to think about like, what am I going to record this week? When am I going to find the time to do it? And instead, just recording everything you have the ability to record, even if you don't know right now at this moment how you're going to use it, right? Because what will happen is just like, oh, Hispanic Heritage Month is coming up. You know what? Like, I recorded this conversation that I had with, like, my sister talking about, like, our upbringing, like, never used it. Now would be a really good time to use it, right? Like, um, I'll give you the example. We record all of our client presentations. So whenever, you know, we've got a recommendations deck, so like the final product, we're presenting that to the client. Um, At the end of the meeting, I always ask the client, okay, so how, you know, how you're feeling? What's your feedback on this? And a lot of times I get stuff that's like, wow, this this was beyond expectation. Like you guys really, it's amazing how quickly you understood us, right? Like whatever that awesome thing is. And then I can say like, hey, would it be okay if we used that recording for our social content? They usually say yes. I've got their permission and I've got it re- documented, right? But I also already have a video. So I don't have to now schedule a separate time Right, because what happens if you're not thinking about documenting is you had this conversation, it wasn't recorded. You're like, hey, could I schedule some time with Ah. you? Would you mind writing that out? Would you mind like recording that for me? You're now putting the burden on them to do something for you and you've got to follow up with it, right? Like, I already got it. That's such a good point. So I'm at Draper now currently and we're doing, I'm coaching about, I will say, maybe 20 different startups from the Saudi, from Saudi Arabia, from the Saudis. And after we did a term sheet session on Monday and after the session, they were like, oh my God, this was the greatest session ever. Five stars. Where were you five weeks ago when we started 10 out of 10? And I'm like listening to them. And I'm like, this should all be documented right now. (laughs) Right. But what happens, right? What happens is Maybe your session got recorded, but then somebody hit the stop button once your presentation was done. Exactly. Right? So, do- so, right? so documenting versus creating is like keep the cameras rolling yes. because now I understand that there's actually a lot that happens after the presentation, right? Exactly. So what, what document versus create looked like for Gary, that was when he hired DRock. 
right? That's why he at one point was like, oh, I'm just going to have somebody follow me around all day because it was much easier to be like, you can't record this one meeting, but we have the other nine meetings he had during the day where people were like, yeah, sure, you can use that, right? Much easier to just pay somebody, like, think about it. When I see what is being tra- and I get it, right? Like what people are charging to create like one video for somebody. Right? Like the the asking price for the creation of one video for somebody mm-hmm. is pretty significant yeah. these days. Like yeah, yeah, there's a range, but it's pretty significant. If you actually calculate do like do the math around it, it is probably more cost effective for you to hire somebody, a salaried employee, for fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year, and have them be a full time salaried employee, always making content for you. Ah, oh, so smart, so smart. I feel like it's what I'm like. Can you do the math on this, please? <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Oh my god, Marvel, this has been so good and super helpful. I'm sure to the audience. If we have entrepreneurs out there who are listening, which we do, we have a very large entrepreneurship audience. How do they find you? How do they get your information? How can they work with you? Uh, well, they can email me. So it's my first name dot my last name uh, at the Sasha group.com. Super easy. Um, yeah, like anybody can reach out to me. I'm always responding to emails. They can go to the Sasha group website. Um, if folks are interested in our 4Ds program, which is a really like great way to get started with us. Um, it's our it's our entry level offering. Um, they could just do a search for 4Ds, the Sasha group, and the page will come right up. Um, we've got one date set already for February 13th of next year. So that's like, we're kicking that off. We're only offering that for program four times a year now um, because it's we've, we've changed the format. We're spending a lot more time digging into the business for the clients that are coming. So that's a really great way to get started for us. Um, I'm in the room for that program. Like my team is running that program. Um, and, and folks who participate in that are part of our alumni group. And we are now starting to offer a monthly education session for like we have close to 700 people in our 4Ds alumni group because that's how long we've been running it. So, um, yeah, if they want to learn more about that, just email me and I'll point you in the right direction. Perfect. And how do they find you on social media? I am Latina underscore sweetie. It is not short, um, but if you do a search for that, you will find me that way on most of the platforms. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been so great. Thank you. Time flies when you're having fun because I'm like, really? Already? (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate it.